I'm really excited about today, about the sermon, about what I believe the Lord's going to continue to do in our hearts and lives in this series, uh, in the book of Daniel. This is week seven, and this was a little bit different week uh, for, for my family, for, for Heather and I. Last Sunday night, uh, I got a call from my mom and her sister, who's only 60 years old, um, has been battling lung cancer, and they said she's not doing very well at all. Um, we looked online, we got some, uh, just some really, really, really cheap flights out of, from KC to LAX, and my aunt lives in Arizona, and so it was one of those things we just, just felt like we needed to do it, and so we jumped on a plane Tuesday, Heather and I did, to go see my aunt, and we actually didn't make it uh, in time. She actually passed as we were traveling um, out there, and so it, it, it impacted our, our travel schedule a little bit because you know there wasn't this rush to see her, and we were able to be there for the memorial service. That was that was nice. But so what we ended up doing was our daughter uh, and son-in-law live in San Diego. While our daughter is here, our son-in-law is in the Navy. Uh, he's on the the uh, Teddy Roosevelt uh, aircraft carrier, and so uh, on Thursday we were getting ready to head to Arizona to see my family, and we were out at the in the bay in San Diego, and we actually see his ship coming in. He'd been out to sea for 30 days, and we didn't know that we were going to get to see him. We kind of hoped maybe Saturday morning before our flight uh, we could catch breakfast or something. But here, So we delayed our, our, our trip to Arizona by a few hours so he could get off the ship. And after he got off the ship, uh, we were able to eat dinner together, and he asked us, he goes, hey, you guys want to tour the aircraft carrier? And it's like, uh, hello, yes, right? right? So here's a picture of my son-in-law, uh, Parker and I on the flight deck um, of the Teddy Roosevelt. I think there's a picture of um, of uh, anyway. It's uh, it was yeah. It was so it was, it was really just awesome to be able to see. Oh, there it is. So there we are. Um, it was a beautiful day. It's just amazing the uh, the power uh, that it, that is is harnessed. Uh, he's a nuclear guy, and that what the nuclear reactors do of launching planes of of making the water and the power and everything. And it's just, you know, and this morning I'm talking about standing in the gap. I'm talking about uh, being a bridge. I'm talking about uh, being there on behalf of others through prayer. And as I thought about what Parker does, as I thought about what our military does, they really do stand in the gap for us, that they really are there uh, to protect us and to be there for us. And, and so it's just, I just have a lot of, of pride um, in my son-in-law and what he does and in our, in our armed forces. And so that's Heather, actually. Uh, she, you know, a little widescreen there, but uh, a little zoomed in. But, you know, she wasn't too interested in the aircraft carrier until we got to the bridge, and she got to sit in the captain's chair and be in control of the whole ship. And so then she got real, real interested in it. So, all right, back to the Bible. How about, how about we go to the Bible? Daniel chapter 6. Uh, we're going to go back and pick up a little bit more of Daniel 6. Um, uh, uh, my grandma, who I'll tell, a little, I'll tell you guys a little bit more about her later. Uh, her name's Granny. Um, anyway, uh, when, whenever... Is that, it, it is. We call her Granny. I thought maybe there's a funny picture up there, but we really call her Granny, Granny Turner. So um, I'm from Oklahoma. What can I say? So, so my Granny used to have this saying when the grandkids, if they wouldn't fish, finish their chicken, there's still some more meat on those bones. You know, don't, don't throw that away. There's some more meat on, meat on those bones, kids. And, and so uh, she never had to say that to me, but I had a lot of girl cousins. So she would say that to them. So that's kind of how I feel about parts of Daniel is, oh, there's still some meat on those bones. There's still some good stuff to, to pick, pick from. And so we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6 uh, for just a minute um, and talking about, we're going to be talking about prayer. 
Uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. We read this last week, but I'm going I'm to share it again. It says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, which the decree was, nobody could pray to any other god than the king. And if they prayed to any other god than the king, they'd be thrown into the, the den of lions. And so he knew this. He knew what the instruction was. It was no, no surprise. And so when he heard about this, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Just, it didn't stop him. It didn't, he was a man of prayer. He was a person who sought the heart of God consistently, persistently, who just continually was faithful in the presence of the Lord. And as we're talking about living in a culture that's shifting, in a culture that has shifted, just like the, uh, the Jewish people found themselves living in Babylon, and in a, in a, in a shift in a culture that was not um, supportive of God or of God's ways. We find ourselves in culture like that. And we, like Daniel, one of the ways we navigate a shifting culture is by being people of prayer and by standing in the gap. And so, so here's just some thoughts um, on, on this verse on, on prayer. One thought about what allows us to be able to navigate these times and be people of prayer is that when you've knelt before God, you can stand before men. And when you've knelt before God, you can stand before men. That, that over and over and over, we see Daniel speak to the king of his day. We see him speak into the highest levels of government. We see him administrating the kingdom of Babylon. We see him being called upon to, uh, to interpret visions and dreams. And he always had something to say of value. He was always able to contribute. And I think it was because he was a man of prayer. I think it was because he had been on his knees before God three times a day, every day, for years and years and years and years. And because he was willing to kneel before God, he was able to stand before man. Another thought, another observation is that desperation drives discipline. Desperation drives discipline. Have there been times in your life when you've been a little bit more disciplined to pray than others? Was there anything desperate going on? Was there anything that was really compelling you to pray? And this is what we see going on in Daniel. The culture that he found himself in, he didn't just just sit back and let whatever would be, would be. No, he engaged it. This desperation caused this discipline to be formed in his life of praying. Of not, not what's, the, what's the minimum? You know, isn't, isn't it so often the culture around us, what's the minimum? What's the least I have to do? What's the least amount of work I have to, 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 to put in? What's the least amount of money I have to pay? What's the least, the least, the least? And, and, and if we're not careful, we can have that same attitude in prayer. Things are, Lord, what, what do I really need to do just to get by? What if we had an attitude, what's the most I can do? What's the most amount of time I can pray? What's the most amount of time I can stand in the gap for others? What's the most I can do? And finally, the last thought I had, just as some introductory thoughts this morning in regard to this verse is, what does it take to keep you from prayer? All right, what does it take to keep you from praying? It took, it, it took lions, and lions, the threat of being thrown to lions wouldn't even stop Daniel from praying. As I thought about that, I thought, wow, what stops it? I mean, there's a thing called busyness that I'll allow to stop me from praying. That is nothing compared to lions, right? Busyness, lack of interest, 
just other stuff. What does it take? What will it take in your life to keep you from praying? Daniel was so committed to prayer that he was willing to be thrown into a den of lions. These weren't make-believe lions. This isn't a fairy tale story. This is real. This really happened. That's how committed to prayer he was. And I'll tell you that, man, that just, that challenges me. That, that challenges me because if we're not careful, we can look for an excuse not to pray, right? I don't feel good or this or that, but nothing would stop Daniel. And so he was one who prayed effectively. There's several writers in the Old Testament uh, that are prophetic writers that are in this time that's happening of Daniel. There's Daniel, there's Isaiah, which I quoted early in the story, there's, there's Ezekiel, uh, there's Jeremiah, and they're, they're, they're writing these prophecies, they're writing visions, they're writing different interpretations, different messages from the Lord that's going on in this time when Israel is in exile, when they've been taken out of their homeland and placed somewhere else. And, and Ezekiel talks about, about prayer. He, in fact, Ezekiel 22 29-31, I have the verses up here. This is what Ezekiel said of the Lord had given Ezekiel to say. He's quoting the Lord here. It says, The people of the land have used oppression, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and needy, and they've wrongfully oppressed the stranger. He was talking about the culture of that day. The culture of that day, how anti-God it was that Israel had become spiritually unfaithful to God. And they had engaged in idolatry, which was false worship, worshiping anything other than God, giving time, attention, affection, money, worship, adoration, anything other than God. Here's just some things that the previous verses mentioned. Leadership, leaders that were oppressive and abused their power. This is a theocracy, so the leaders were both spiritual and, and governmental. So leaders who were oppressive and abused their power. There was no honor for mothers and fathers. That they had withdrawn their hearts from strangers. There was no hospitality for the immigrants, for the aliens that were coming to be a part of them. There was no hospitality. They had forgotten about widows. They had profaned the Sabbath. There was sexual immorality of all kinds. There was extortion and the taking of bribes was common. And the spiritual leaders were deceiving people. There were false prophecies saying nothing, nothing was wrong. And then they were keeping nothing as, as holy. They were confusing the secular and the sacred. And there was, a, there was confusion about people didn't know what was right and what was wrong. Does that sound like today in the day we live? I mean, that could be like the front of USA Today, couldn't it? I mean, that is the, that's where we find ourselves. And so I think this verse in Ezekiel is so applicable to us today because it describes this type of land. And so verse 30 says, this is the Lord speaking, So I sought a man, and this, this means mankind. You know, he, the Lord would seek for a man or a woman among them who would make a wall, who would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord. And so we know that because of that, they were brought into exile. Verse 30, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. I found no one. Does that break your heart? 
The Lord is looking. Who will stand in the gap? Who will intercede for my people, for this nation? Who will do this? Who will be the one that will stand in the gap? And he could find no one. No one could be found to stand. Because, and he was using imagery that, were, that was so, it would be so understandable to them. It's the verse I read earlier that the walls are ever before the Lord, that the walls had been crumbled, had been, had been destroyed in Jerusalem. And, and walls were such a big deal in this day and in this culture. This was their defense. Uh, walls were essential for security. They demonstrated power and prosperity. Um, even Babylon's walls were so thick they could race chariots on them. I mean, they were massive. Um, there's Jericho had walls. Jerusalem had walls. And the walls kept the enemies out, right? It kept the enemies out and it kept uh, civilization in. And, and, they, and for, for, for a city to be destroyed, the walls had to be taken down. The walls had to be breached. And there were these, these watchtowers on these walls where people could look and they could see the enemy coming or they could see somebody they knew that was in help that needed to be... Um, they need to be rescued, and they were called watchmen on the walls, and Scripture calls us that, that the Lord calls us to be those that will stand in the gap like a wall that's breached, there's like a wall that's broken, that we will stand there in the place of others to provide defense and provide spiritual covering and prayer, that we would be those kinds of people. Is there just one, the Lord said? Is there just one? Because His heart is to save. His heart is to rescue. Remember when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? He just needed a few, right? Is there anyone? Is there any godly? It's always the Lord's heart to bring rescue and to bring a resource and to bring, to bring that. And so he asks, is there, is there just one? And we see the imagery of, of walls, of hedges, um, even in other places in the Old Testament. In Job chapter 1, verse 10, you know, I wonder when I get to heaven if... If Job's going to say, you know, my name was Job. And you guys called me Job all the time. You guys never got my name right. Because it looks like Job to me, right? And this is, what, this, is what the, this is what Satan said to the Lord when he asked if he could access his life. He says, you have not, have you not made a hedge or a wall around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. He's saying to the Lord, he goes, I can't touch him because there's a wall around him. I can't touch him because there's a hedge around him. Do you pray that over your kids? Over your grandkids? Man, I do that. That the Lord will put a hedge of protection around them. A wall of protection around our church. I pray that over you. Among the kids for our church. That we would have that. And that's what the Lord's asking us to be. Of those that would, that would, that would stand in the gap. For those that are exploited, for those that are vulnerable, for our city that's broken, our nation that's broken. Sin, is, sin breaks our lives. Sin breaks families. Sin breaks nations. And the Lord's saying, is there anyone who'll stand in the gap? Is there anyone, anyone who will pray? And so here we see in, in, in Daniel, now we're going to fast forward to Daniel chapter 9. He had this vision in chapter 8. We're going to talk about his visions next week and how they relate to end time. And so uh, we're, going to, we're going to get deep next week in end time stuff. So if you want to hear, you want to hear that, re- I believe it's going, to be, um, it's going to be just really helpful. It's going to be, I'm going to make it very simple and very helpful helpful to us but here he has this 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 vision and he asks it's so interesting in daniel because the first part of daniel the king has visions and daniel comes and interprets them now daniel starts having visions and he doesn't understand them so he goes to the lord for help says lord help me understand these visions and so here we here we see in in uh 
In Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, we see that Daniel uses Scripture, the words of the Lord, and he responds in prayer. Here's the, here's the verse. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler of the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures... You hear that? He, under, he, was reading the, he was reading his scriptures, his Bible of the day. Uh, his, he was reading the prophet Jeremiah. It says, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. And so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, in sackcloth and ashes. And so here we see Daniel who is reading the scriptures. He be, he's understanding what God has promised. And he begins to claim the promises of God. And he says, he begins to understand that it was going to be 70 years according to, to Jeremiah's prophecy. And so, do you know that, that Jerusalem was attacked three different times by the Babylonians over eight years? And so, and so Daniel, I believe, is praying, Lord, let, it, let the 70 years start from the first time, not from the last time. Lord, intervene. Lord, keep your word. Lord, keep your promises. And so he began to pray. He began to ask the Lord to intervene. He began to, to, to pray uh, the verses, the, the verses in Jeremiah 29, 11, 13, where the Lord says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. And he says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. This was the prophetic word that Jeremiah had given to those in Babylon. And, and Daniel, is he hears the words of the Lord, he's reading the words of the Lord, he responds in prayer. He responds in prayer. Guys, that is so crucial for us as being those who will stand in the gap as those that will intercede on the behalf of others, that we will, as we read the word of the Lord and begin to understand what He's wanting to do, that we begin to pray the Scriptures. We begin to pray what His promises are for whatever situation we find ourselves in. That we grab one of the promises of God and we say, Lord, we know our situation is this, but Lord, Your Word says this. And so Lord, we're holding to Your Word. We're holding to Your promises. We're holding to what You have said that you will do because intercession it comes in that gap between the way things God says it should be and the way they the things are now have you experienced that in your life you've seen that in other people's life this is the way it is but God says this is the way that I've desired it to be this is the way I want it to be and what we do as intercessors is we come into that gap and we bring those together we take the prayers of heaven the words of heaven the desires of heaven and we pray them and we return them to our Father. And ask, Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, your will be done in this situation. Lord, close this gap. Bring what is being experienced up to what your promise says in your word. That's what standing in the gap is. And so Daniel reads the word of the Lord and responds in prayer. Uh, my prayer is that we would as well. The second thing that Daniel does in his prayer is that he confesses and he personalizes the burden Okay, he makes it very, very personal. Look at verse 4. It says, I have prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of love with those who love Him and keeps His commandments. Look at this, look at this word here. We. Can you say the word we? We. One more time. We. He, he, says, he says, we. We have sinned. 
and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. He goes, we've not done these things. But you see, when you look at Scripture, right, when you look at this, you can see that Daniel... He hadn't done those things. He was seeking the Lord. He was praying. He was being an influence. He was making a difference. He wasn't one of those that had rejected the words of the Lord. He wasn't one of those that had turned his back on the Lord. But yet, he identified with them. He didn't say those people. He said we. He said we. And, and I'm telling you, if we can change our vocabulary and our mindset... From those people to we changes everything. Because it's real hard to stand in the gap and be an accuser at the same time. It's really hard to stand in prayer and to criticize at the same time. Really, I don't think it's possible. We're going to end up picking being one of those. Are we going to be intercessors and stand in the gap for our families, for our church, for our city, for our nation, for the lost, that they would know Jesus? Are we going to we're going to just talk about those people, whoever those people are, right? <laughs> whoever they might be. What's our heart going to be? I want a heart like Daniel. I want to identify with the brokenness around me. That it wouldn't be them, it would be we. It would be we. And, and, and you can read this. He goes into great, great detail. I'm going to fast forward to verse 17. Now, God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. (laughs) The the people of God, the things of God have become obsolete. They weren't even being impactful in their culture. He said, give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous. They didn't ask those things because they had everything together. But because of your great mercy, Lord. Because of the goodness and mercy of God, Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your people and your city bear your name. That we would be those that would cry out to the goodness of God, not based on our own merit. Friends, that won't get us far, right? It's not our righteousness, Lord. It's your righteousness that we're counting on, that we're holding on to. This is what Nehemiah did. It's the same thing. It's just the same time period. In the Bible, in history, Nehemiah was one who was exiled in Babylon, and he goes. He's an administrator in the kingdom of Babylon, and he goes to check on the condition of the walls. In fact, uh, it, it says in, in, in the book of Nehemiah, the first chapter, I don't have it up here, but, but he, there was a group that had come back from Israel, back from Jerusalem. And so he asked them, verse 3, he says, those who survived the exile and are back in the province, he asked them, he said, what's the condition of the walls? And they, he said, they're in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem, they are broken and its gates have been burned with fire. He said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. That when he heard of the condition of the walls of Jerusalem, it broke his heart. And he fasted and he wept and he prayed. One reason I believe is because there was a connection. Because he knew these, I mean, he knew this was his home country. This was his people. This was his city. This represented their even identity as a people group. And it broke his heart and he prayed for them. And I wonder, and and I'm asking myself the, the same questions. When was the last time something really broke my heart enough 
that I wept and I cried and I fasted on behalf of others. That it had that kind of impact on me. Because guys, I think that when we have so much being infiltrated into our lives, I think if we're not careful, we can become desensitized to the things going on around us. That every day there's tragedy, every day there's war, every day there's calamity, every day there's natural disasters, every day there's chaos, there's destruction, and we're just inundated with it. And if we're not careful, we can become so desensitized to the condition of our culture, to the things going on around us, that it doesn't impact us. That it doesn't, it's, oh yeah, it's, it's just another bombing, oh yeah, it's just another hurricane, oh yeah, it's, it's just another a suicide bomber, oh yeah, it's just another riot, oh yeah, it's just another uh, violent situation. And we just, we're not able to, to empathize and, and enter into prayer because we're so desens- desensitized. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? We're just, over, just overwhelmed. I think we have to just watch, watch ourselves and just say, Lord, give me a heart, give me a heart like you have, Lord. Give me ears like you have, Lord. Give me eyes like you have, God, that I can perceive the condition around me like you do. And finally, persistence. Persistence, that's the third thing that we see from Daniel. And now we're in chapter 10. In chapter 10, we see a persistence that he prayed until God answered. He prayed until God answered. Uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 and, and 13. It says, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. This is the the, the, the angel, the word of the Lord coming to him. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. So he began to seek the Lord about what this vision was, what, he was, what the Lord was going to be doing. And his words were heard. He says, and I have come in response to them, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, who's who's one of the chief princesses, speaking of of the angelic host of an angel, came to help me because I was detained there. I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now, he's not talking about a natural king. He's not talking about natural situations. This is a heavenly conflict. That as Daniel began to pray, that angel of the Lord began to bring the answer to prayer to Daniel. And the prince of of Persia the king of that, the spiritual uh, ruler, principality, and the demonic forces opposed what the Lord was wanting to bring and do in Daniel's life. And then spiritual, other spiritual resources had to come to finish the job. And it reminds us of, of passages like in Ephesians that says we wrestle not against flesh and blood and principalities, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That friends, as you begin to pray, as you begin to intercede, I'm telling you, the devil's going to fight it. He doesn't want to see homes reconciled. He doesn't want to see marriage saved. He doesn't want to see racial reconciliation and harmony and love in our nation. He doesn't want to see the poor fed. He doesn't want to see the homeless have homes or the jobless have jobs or those that are without Christ to find Christ. He doesn't want that. And he wants to do it. He'll try to do everything that he can to stop it. But we have to be people. We don't just have to be. We want to be people who will stand in the gap, who will persist in prayer. We'll persist. We won't give up. We won't give in. Imagine if Daniel stopped. Imagine if he stopped at day 20. 
Imagine. Imagine if he would have stopped, but he didn't. He kept praying. He kept believing. He kept persisting in prayer. Isaiah 58, 12 says, Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That's who the Lord has called us to be. That's what the Lord's called us to do. And it happens spiritually, my friends. The way we make a difference in our culture, the way we shift culture in a shifting culture is by standing in the gap. By standing in the gap. As I went to, as I went to California, Arizona this week, as, as Heather and I went out there, I was, even though I didn't get there in time to be with my aunt and see her before she passed, I was so thankful that I got to see my, my granny and got to, got to be with my mom. And, and we were, the day of the memorial service, we were just visiting. We we're sitting there. It was just my, my, my grandma, Heather, and I, my mom, and her husband. And we were just sitting there visiting. And, and the question was asked to my granny, how, do, how, do, how, do, how can you do this? How, how are you able to be so strong? You see, because my grandma lost a baby, an infant, when she was in her early 20s. She lost a toddler to death in her late 20s. Six years ago, my grandpa, her husband of 62 years, passed away. In the last four years, she's lost four kids, four adult children. One a year for the last four years. So in eight years, she's lost, out of eight kids, she's lost six. And a husband, four in the last four years. Like, I can't imagine losing one of my kids, let alone six out of eight. And we just asked her, how have, you, how have you done this? She was, she was with my aunt. And my aunt asked her on Monday, she says, am I going to die? I mean, what do you tell your kid, right? What do you tell your kid? And we just, we asked her, we just talked to her about this and she just she said, I told the Lord. She said, I can't do this anymore. I can't handle another kid dying. I cannot take this. I can't do it. And she said, a peace of God came over her. It passes understanding. And she's, and I'm telling you, she was so full of joy and peace and confidence. She was the one consoling everybody else there. And she said it was because of just being in the presence of God. That God just, just imparted that to her, but it came. It came by being in the presence of God. It came because she's a person of prayer. I tell you, I want to be, I knew my granny had grit, but man, I know she had that kind of grit. <laughs> I want to be that kind of person that is so in touch with the Lord, that walks with Him in such a way that the things around us don't shake us. We don't change. We're like Daniel. We're the same. Consistently, day in and day out. Let's pray.